0: welcome to uncontained i'm your host aaron static render and this is episode 110 and yes i'd like to just start the show off by giving a shout out to all my listeners in los angeles it's definitely picked up there and whether or not this is your first time listening or you've been here for a long time welcome and uh happy to have you here so i have I have a special guest this week, one that kind of thinks outside the box musically and stretched my mind a little bit. We talk about the shape of music and the energy behind it, which... You know, at first, I was having a little trouble grasping the shape of music thing until I thought back to this one video I saw where there are all these musical instruments and there was, like, sand on top of this platform, and with the tonal change of that sound, so did the pattern of the sand. So, I, I, I put a link in the show notes to a video like the one I saw in case you're having trouble visualizing this, but... On my show today, I have Julian Forrest. He's uh, known as the Celestial Musician. We talk about him going and performing at Woodstock. Not the original year that it happened, but he was invited to play at the location of Woodstock and uh, talked about the energy that he felt there from all the great performers in the past. So I have a track for you off of his album Arcanum, and this is Celestial Visions. How are you doing today, Julian?
1: You know what? Uh, it's it's amazing. I'm having a great day. I love the uh, sunny winters, you know, in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, have I have a good day relatively as long as it's sunny. But on top of that, a lot of great things are happening for me. So, uh, you know, sometimes you get into that mode where you start over a new place, and uh, you can feel the traction happening. You know, where things are coming to you that you put the energy out for. So, I uh, you know, I'm having a great day in that sense.
0: Right, I uh, definitely man. And uh you mentioned you like the sunny winters in California. Are you originally from somewhere else?
1: I I've, I've been uh one of those people that's been fortunate enough to live a lot of different places throughout my life and uh you know, I finally got at a certain point where I realized like okay, I've lived all over but I really don't enjoy the places where it's rainy and cold. So I don't <laughs> spend any energy talking about those places too much. But what I what I have found is that um I really um loved my visits to California, which have happened a lot, you know, especially in the last like six years especially. I've done tons and tons of performances and events and started movies here and just all kinds of things. And um yeah, so I, I was drawn to California and, and the sun is a big part of that as well as it being an entertainment capital and you know, things are going on here and, and everything, but the weather is definitely a big factor. So, I was living in Arizona uh, for a lot of my life, uh, really for the sun more than anything. And, um, but, uh, you know, here in, in LA, you have the advantage of being close to the ocean. So, uh, when you find the uh, draw that I had to the ocean and uh, the sunny winters and uh, nothing's going on here, I can understand why I, I had to just finally give in and realize I needed to move here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Definitely, man. You moved to L.A. um, You're pursuing your musical career. And now your musical style, I don't necessarily know how to describe it. I normally like to kind of describe what you do. I know it's kind of like earthy, kind of like, you know, almost like Chakra-esque in some way. Uh, But how would you describe your music?
1: Sure. That's a really great question and and uh, you know, I'll approach that a couple of different ways. One angle I'll approach it from is the, you know, I don't really look for compliments when I play, honestly, because uh, I'm gonna pretty much do whatever I want to do. And uh... it's one of those things where people like it, that's even better. So it's, it's very nice. But uh, the biggest compliment that I get that that I enjoy actually is people say, "I've never heard anything like that before." So it totally makes sense that you ask me how to describe it. So that's one thing is is it's something new. It's inventive, uh, it's visionary, uh it's instead of being the monophonic kind of approach to the uh, that has been known historically, I make it sound symphonic and angelic and, and uh so um, that's that's one answer. And then another one is is about probably six years ago people uh actually started in LA because so I was traveling here performing, they started calling me the celestial musician. So a lot of times I'll call it celestial music because um, I I like that, and it's something that people are familiar with. So uh, it's kind of a, a name that stuck is celestial music. Okay. And um, in addition, in, in addition to that, uh, there's a whole story. You know, it's pretty esoteric. I don't get into all the details, like right in the in the moment. But I have a, a huge background with uh, you know arts and sciences from the ancient world, You know, things around harmonics and. Pythagoras, uh, ancient Egyptians, and uh, you know meditation, yoga, sacred geometry, all these kinds of different things. and I'm also very scientific all at the same time as well as being creative and a student of, of ancient knowledge. So I made a very unique synthesis by combining all that with classical technique and classical training. So I really actually am a, a seriously trained classical musician and I use the techniques the ear training, the music theory and the composition. And then I apply that in my own unique way without being controlled by classical structures, even though I know what they are. Or classical technique, even though I know what it is. I also am using Eastern technique, uh, you know, with pitch bending and microtones and, you know, that's uh, a whole whole uh, long conversation. But uh, the style of music that you're hearing where it sounds like there's a bunch of instruments playing and it's like super rich and it washes over you, comes from the technique and... The, the background that I have with you know my perception of, of sound and uh, you know very different things around sacred geometry and harmonics and uh, these kind of like um, no it's, it's philosophical is kind of a misleading word because it's a so watered down uh, but uh, the ancient philosophers were, were mystics they, okay. they you know tapped into things so when you hear music of the spheres as a poetic phrase and you start really looking into it further you find out that they really weren't kidding. They uh, have these sayings like Pythagoras, Clotus saying, uh, "There's geometry in the humming of the strings and music in the whirling of the spheres." But they were very serious about this stuff. There's a whole harmonic, geometrical structure to the spacings of the planets and how they work, and how the atomic table of elements even is a geometrical harmonic structure. And this is not presented to us that way in uh, standard, you know, the books and teaching.
0: So how do uh, geometric shapes affect music? Okay, I know you're talking about like sacred shapes and geometry, and how does that play into your sound?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. And of course, as, as you expect, it's a super vast subject. But one of the ways that it, it plays into it that I can explain to people is if they looked up something called, I'm going to spell it, called Schladni figures. It's C-H-L-A-D-N-I and there's a guy named Ernest Schladney. and he was going around Europe and became very famous for a period of time, and he would take a violin bow, and he would rub it against a metal plate that had sand on there and create these elaborate, symmetrical shapes based on you know how he would use the bow, where he would do it, and so on and so forth. And so now we have something called cymatics, where it can be done electronically, where you can actually take... A sound and, and, uh, see, you know, kind of like, you know, sine waves or various different waves, uh, you know, standard electricians would use, but more sophisticated with, with cymatics. So, what it turns out is, is there actually is a direct relationship between frequency and form. It's just not a well understood thing. It's not a common topic. Um, and you have to know a lot of music theory and a lot of sacred geometry and geometry just in general. To begin with, just even start to think about it. Um, but then uh, to try and put it together is a whole other mysterious thing. It's like, well, how does that work? So, you know, for me, um, when I'm playing my instrument, I'm hearing harmonics inside of the notes that I'm playing. Okay. So I'm a whole other unfolding of cascades that people aren't even hearing, but they feel it. They, they, feel, they hear the richness, and they're, they're surprised the guitar could do that, but I'm hearing the cascades of harmonics. And they have a geometrical uh, structure in relation to how harmonics are unfolding, and it goes to infinity. So, yeah, when you take it to a deeper level than that, there's a whole thing going on where there's a direct relationship between harmonics, frequencies, and geometrical shapes. But, of course, that's something that would be a whole other, you know, vast topic or very difficult to explain in in an interview. Yeah, definitely. The fact that it's there... (laughs) It's definitely there. All
0: right. So I I guess I'm kind of picturing in my mind, like I've seen that, I've seen like a YouTube video where they have like um, some basically bass playing through something and like vibrating a surface with sand on it. And the sand changes shape like on the, uh, on that. Is that what you're talking about right there? So I can get the proper visual in my head.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay. Yeah. So as like, it just changes, it moves around as it changes pitch and frequency and creates different layers of rings of sand and shapes of sand, which is actually pretty cool. I was like, kind of like, whoa, that's crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally understand. Yeah, it is, it's kind of crazy as well as mysterious.
0: So how did you get into the style, or celestial style of music that you're playing now? Did you start out with a basic, like, rock background? I know you said you're classically trained.
1: Yeah, that's a really, really good question, Aaron, and I'll answer it this way, is, um, you know, the it's kind of a, a mystical thing once again, but I really didn't start playing musical instruments until very late in life, and, uh, you know, so I was in my late teens. Before I even manifested my first instrument, and uh but the thing that's interesting is uh at a formative level, I would always hear the celestial music long before I could play any instruments, so I'd kind of be wafted over into this mystical state of consciousness where I would hear the heavenly music, I'd hear the music of the spheres, and uh it would be accompanied by uh, amazing visionary aspects of you know other other types of realities where it was much more beautiful and pure than what we what we see on earth. And the heavenly music was much more beautiful than anything I've ever heard here yet. Okay. And so, um, you know, I was very sensitive to music all through my life. And so I, I really would kind of latch on to really good pop music or even the Beatles or whatever. Um, and then uh, I, I started becoming more and more interested in, in uh, hard rock uh, when I was in my early teens and had uh, been exposed to pop music before that. And uh, so I, I'm still very much a hard rock guitar player. I, I love to just get up on stage and just tear my guitar up sometimes, you know, so I, I can do that as well or play blues or psychedelic music or whatever I want to do. Um, you know, distortion, walk pedals, screaming notes, you know, whammy bar, whatever I want. And so that, that's another very real part of me. And um, so what happened, though, is I was always still, you know, even if I wasn't totally conscious of it, I was always still kind of being pulled trying to try and figure out how to bring that celestial music down to the earth Yeah. Uh, that I I'd, I'd heard all my life off and on, and so the uh, amalgam of, of the hard rock aspect, the eastern music, and the classical music it, it have all come together to to make it so that I can actually play you know and and, and simulate what I was hearing, and uh, so celestial visions on YouTube is a really good example of that. Uh, there's also something called Timepiece, another one called Angelic Fade. If you type in Julian Forrest and Angelic Fade or Julian Forrest and Social Visions, i will give you an idea of what we're talking about for the listeners. And um, basically, the hard rock, though, is very essential because it makes it more um, powerful and, and edgy, even though it's mellow and peaceful. So that, that's one of the reasons why the amalgam is so um, unusual.
0: Okay, I got a question for you here. Yeah. How do the harmonics in, say, metal, like with the harmonic squeals and like the Floyd Rose, how do the hard rock or metal harmonics vary from celestial harmonics?
1: Sure, that's, that's a great question. So there's there's a bunch of different levels to that. And uh, one of them is that um, there's kind of just like a straight physics level to harmonics and that there's actually a mathematical series of equations of, how they would actually unfold in a technical sense. Okay. So that part doesn't really change no matter what note you're playing on a string anywhere in the world. Um you, know, you can you can modify which ones are more prominent or which ones are being played upon with, you know, like you mentioned, you know, getting the squeals out of the note or what they call a pinch harmonic or you're know, tapping a harmonic, which you know is one of the things that Eddie Van Halen did really well and made famous so you can actually tap the harmonics out with his other hand by just lightly hitting the note and causing the note to ring like a bell while he's playing other notes or chords. Which is a beautiful example of the fact that those harmonics are really there. And if you have the technique right, you can cause them to, to come out. Well, the, the thing is, is that, you know, harmonics and um, tones in general have a great mystery to them. I call it the mystery of intent in art. And hmm. mystery of intent in art is a phrase that I came up with to explain that your intention is getting transmitted in what you're playing at Levels that you're not even aware of or conscious of to infinity, so this is one of the reasons why people are infatuated with a painting, for example, that's centuries old, and there's, there's something in there that that they're drawn to, but they don't necessarily know what it is, or it evokes a feeling, or a sense, or a, a mystery, and uh, so notes are the same way. So this is one of the things that separates a uh, you know David Gilmour and an early Eric Clapton and a Jimi Hendrix, other guitar players, is. They were uh, able to have such a fine control of pitch and phrasing, you know, that their intent is coming through more powerfully regardless of anything. There's something more going on there because they they have a really fine control of bending the notes especially or how they would touch the string.
0: By intent, do you mean like feeling or like because, you know, like a lot of people can like if you're playing the tabs to a song, you can play the same notes but not have it sound exactly the same. Like you're trying to play like a Stevie Ray Vaughan song or something like that and you're playing the notes, you're playing along, but you don't have the same feel to your music like a lot of like blues guitarists or um, a lot of well-known guitarists have.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's part of the the mystery of it, and the the intent is is there, and then, you know, at another level, everything that you're doing when you touch that note is coming through from your body, your consciousness, your fingers, the structure of, of what you are, how you feel is getting transmitted inside that note much more than what people can be conscious of it's, it's it's much it's much more like infinity is being transmitted to you, and where an infinity of variables is coming through your finger when you touch that note. So everything that you are, everything whether you can hear it or not, is actually being transmitted inside those harmonics when you touch a string. As far out as that sounds, there's actually something to it, and it's the same way with with uh, many other mediums mediums whether it's a voice or a painter or a temple builder. Um, you know, sometimes old books, um, it's a very kind of magical approach to thinking about art where you realize it's like, wow, you know, it's like, why does this one particular book have a vibe to it? You know, and you can't quite put your finger on it or, or analyze it scientifically. But sometimes when you go someplace and you feel differently in, in, in a temple that you walk into or a room or a house or whatever, it's like, but you, if you're sensitive and you realize that, that, that's an actual thing it's an actual sense and you realize that oh you know th- there is something here I, I, I'm feeling something and it's not always good either you know so you yeah. feel something that's bad oh but, definitely but it. it's like well I don't know what that is I don't know what that is but but I do sense it you know what I'm saying so it's it's kind of that you know if you take it and apply it to art and think of it in a magical sense the mystery of intent and uh, so on and so forth I, and I use the word intent and mystery together intentionally because the mystery of intent is that your intention that's being transmitted a lot of times is not conscious. It's something that you're carrying or that you're resonating with or it's part of you or everything that you've done. You know, so if you're a super classically trained musician and you spent un- uncounted hours on technique and ear training because you wanted to play something beautiful, some of that intent is getting transmitted when you just hit one note, regardless of whether you could uh, analyze it scientifically or not, it's happening.
0: Okay. Interesting. Interesting. But yeah, I do notice like certain places have certain fills. Some of them can be good. Some of them can be bad. Yeah i was listening to this uh one uh podcast today that had uh this guy was a monk is like jay shetty or something like that i don't remember his last name can how to pronounce his last name but he was like a monk for like four years but he was like talking about how places hold feelings and stuff like that so like where he went to the monastery there was like 400 years of monks meditating in that feeling and then on the opposite yeah and then on the negative side of that on the negative side out of that like this last uh spring like last april i went to uh germany and uh visited one of those uh concentration camps and yeah. walked through one of the gas chambers it felt eerie as shit you know it was like you if yeah. you didn't even know what the room was you would have felt the chill go down your spine
1: See, uh, and i think that can be very very real and I, I do agree that that can happen um, and one of the, the ways that I know that, just to illustrate and support your point, is, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into any details, I don't want to evoke anything, but, you know, I, I definitely had um, multiple, many, many, you know, experiences in my life where I would sense something I didn't like, and then I would later on find out what the actual details were,
0: that hmm. I knew Interesting.
1: Before, that's really happened to me a bunch of times where it's like it's like, yeah, I I knew something was off, I knew something was bad, I knew something was wrong. And then later on I find out something that I didn't know which was logical or a detail or a fact, whatever. And so yeah, it's it's a real sense and so that's one of the things that crystallized in my mind that um, energies are held, you know, energies are transmitted, so on and so forth. So, um, you know, and to flip it again and come back to really positive Example is because I have been imbued personally with these celestial experiences, uh, and I, I've spent much time thinking about it and trying to cultivate it and make it happen, understand it, make notes, ring certain ways and resonances, and, and create something beautiful. It's coming through my fingers, regardless of whether I'm even fully conscious of it. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, and and people feel it, and and they're they're transported. So when I live in Sedona, for example. I did at least 200 concerts in a period of two years in Sedona. And uh, every time, people had angelic visitations, uh, healings, astral plane travel. Um, all these kinds of things would happen in my concerts um, every single time I played.
0: Okay, very cool, man. So, All right, so that's your theory on mystery of intent in art which I, yeah. I i feel there is some definite weight behind that theory right there uh, now yeah you have just switching modes just a little bit you have a uh foundation the earth harmony foundation uh what 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 do you do yeah. with that foundation
1: yeah and uh, you know just uh, uh thank you for bringing that up by
0: the way oh no so, problem I'm
1: just on the board and it's a. Uh, it's something that uh, I'm on the uh, I'm a new member of the board, and I'm working with uh, Dove, Dove Gertzweig, and uh, Judy Amber Chase. We've been doing it for 20 years. So and Dove, is, Dove a,
0: a is a violinist that uh, you're working with, correct? Absolutely. Okay, just to give a little perspective yeah. to who Dove is.
1: Thank you. And so, yeah, Dove and Judy have been doing this for about 20 years, and it involves a, a, a wide spectrum. Um, you know, so the Earth Harmony Foundation name kind of speaks for itself. Music is uh, an essential part of it. And they also have programs that feed the homeless, uh, that take care of people. And, you know, it's about creating uh, beauty in the world and lifting things up. And, um, you know, so they, they uh, are, are doing amazing work. And I've seen it in person. I've been helping them a little bit with some of the projects. But once again, that's, it's really theirs. And, uh, you know, I'm new to it. But uh, very enthused about it, and we're looking at putting on some various different concerts, and so on and so forth. And the uh, Harmony Foundation and uh, Dove and myself are looking at doing several different concerts, and uh, so more will come and be posted um, in various different places, and so on and so forth. But uh, for for now, um, let's continue on. I'm not sure where he went to. So um, yeah, right. but uh, moving forward. Go so, so go and ask me some more questions.
0: Well, so what are some of the uh, projects that you have coming up with the Earth Harmony Foundation?
1: Well, we've got a concert uh, that's coming up on the fifteenth, and that's the Artist Showcase that's on Giggs LA that you're familiar with, and um, that's going to be between twelve to four, and it's called the the York Bar, and there's a lady that runs uh, Gigs LA named Arsene Lincoln, and she's booked uh, I believe around fifteen artists they're going to be there and some of them are people uh, that have been on your show if you want to mention a few of them yeah
0: that is uh correct so i uh, have i'm eric jones who was on the show uh, a few episodes back he has uh books versus beats uh and has some music coming up i i i think he's working on a new album which would be pretty cool and then also a stand-up comedian uh daryl k Mac is uh, on that show as well. If I was in the L.A. area, I'd definitely be down there to check it out. (laughs) Cool. I think uh, you can get tickets online at Eventbrite are uh, only $5. So uh, if you're in the area, definitely worth checking it out.
1: Oh, great. Great, absolutely. And uh, I think you mentioned that you're going to put a link on on the board.
0: Yeah, I'll put it it in my uh, show notes uh, so people can... uh, Find it there. So when you listen to the episode on your podcast player, just scroll through the show notes, and you will see a link to this uh, concert on the Eventbrite. It's a second annual artist showcase put on by AB Weddings and yeah, Special but, Events.
1: Yeah, very very enthused about that. Uh, you know, once again, uh, being in LA and doing things is it's really an adventure. So uh, I'm I'm quite uh, I'm quite enjoying all the uh, new people I'm meeting, like yourself. Uh, Arsene and, and the shows that are, 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 you know, different that are coming up. And there's another one that we're working on for the 31st, which is a fundraiser. And, uh, so I don't have all the details of that one just yet, but, uh, anyone that wants to, you know, find out what I'm doing or look me up, just look up either, uh, Julian Forest Musician, a great keyword, so it's J U L I A N F O R E S T, the word musician. Uh, and, uh, my Facebook page comes up really easily. And, uh, and my violinist that I'm working with, uh, as part of the Earth Army Foundation, one of the founders, is G-D-O-V-Gertzweig, Gertzweig, G. R. T. Z. W. E. I. G. On Facebook, if you want to look him up as well.
0: Okay, if you send me a link to him, I will uh, put him. Put I'll put your social media and his in the show notes as well. So if you send me a link to his social media, I will uh, pass that on to people as well. So yeah,
1: I, I will. I will do that for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. How how long have you been playing, Julian?
1: Well, you know, I, I always try to dodge that question, and and I don't mind people asking it, but uh, I always dodge it because it's not really relevant. Uh, you know, here's the thing: I've went through all kinds of phases where I'm not playing the guitar at all Fair you know, enough. for segments of my life. Yeah, and um, in in addition to that, there's a whole other level to it where you can uh, you can become extremely good in a very short period of time. Sometimes and so, I always like talk more about uh, you know how you how you achieve excellence um, or how you achieve you know ear training or you know technical ability so that you can play what you're hearing in your head without fumbling. You know these kinds of things.
0: Okay, so, so, so how do um, you uh, how do you achieve excellence?
1: Sure. Uh, what I what I always recommend to people is really tuning into themselves and getting some idea. About what it is they, they really want to achieve at that point, and always knowing that that can morph and change, especially the more you learn, or if you master something within reason, uh, you know you may want to go to another phase. Of course, but uh, you know some people don't really want to be, uh, you know, playing flourishes of classical, you know, uh, runs or like you know playing Eastern technical music or whatever, or even you know, let's say you take like a Jimi Hendrix or. Um, you know, Yngwie Malpstein or Randy rhodes people that have, you know, a lot of technical ability, they don't necessarily want to do that, you know what I'm saying? They don't necessarily want to be able to play the solo of the Crazy or play Eruption by Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Some people say, hey, what I really want to do is I want to play songs that I love by the Campfire on an acoustic guitar. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, so if you know that's what you want... And that's one kind of an approach that you, you would look at. So, we support to have an idea of what you want to do.
0: Okay, definitely and then, good.
1: You know, yeah, yeah. Pick pick, pick a road. So, for me, I, I had pretty lofty ideals. I wanted to, you know, play this heavenly music, and uh, it was very elusive, um, and so it, it took an immense amount of work to try and figure all of that out. Uh, but um, on a side note, that relates directly to, to what you asked me. Um, you know, just to kind of make it more personal, I guess. one of the things that happened for for me, Aaron, is I didn't really have like culture in my life. I didn't have spirituality or art or, or anything. You know what I mean? you know, when I was growing up, there was none of that really. And okay. so what happened though is I did have the celestial experiences and then also in addition to that, I had uh these things that would happen and thank God for Ruby soundtracks. Because I'd listen to certain things and I'd just go into kind of a reverie, you know? I'd hear like green sleeves or some Eastern music or flamenco guitar and I'd just be transported. I'm like, what is that? I mean, so <laughs> something would happen to me where I'd go into like a little trance kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'd just be, you know, really, really immersed in the music. And so um, I didn't know that there was such a thing as Spanish guitar or flamenco guitar you know, I didn't know that there's, I didn't understand the word classical music or, or anything, but, but I, I remember the experiences, it got me asking questions, so I started asking people, well, what is this music that I heard on this Western or whatever, and then finally someone said, well, that's called flamenco guitar, it's a, it's it's Spanish guitar, you know, and uh, I started putting these little pieces together, and, um, so, you know, th- there's different kinds of inspirations that come to you, and for me, um, once I realized that I loved Spanish guitar, that I heard on even maybe a cheesy western it didn't really matter, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. On. Um, I, I I said okay, well I want to learn how to do that, you know, and so I started on that path, and then that led me to understanding that you know you have to learn technique and scales and how to hold your hands and, and and how to do all this stuff. So um, you know that's that's part of the pathway of how I how I got to that point is that just uh, you know identifying that I love that music, yeah.
0: Alright, very cool man. So uh I guess the whole reason at first I asked you why how long have you been playing guitar was a setup a question that you kind of help set up yourself, um, and your explanation of how to achieve excellence. Like what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to get started out uh playing guitar?
1: Well, you know, um one of the things I would say is once again identify what you feel is inspiring you, or, or now, let's say you want to be a singer-songwriter, you know what I mean? Then, you know, that's going to be one first. Some people don't want to sing at all, and it's like they're just fired up by, you know, a really great guitar solo, for example, you know? And they're like, wow, I, I want to play lead guitar. I want to be able to do a solo like that, you know? Um, and that's another track you would take. So my first recommendation, though, is go, go into the guitar. And listen to this will sound lateral, but it's actually really direct onto as far as what my real advice is. Is if you really want to learn about music, then always go into the technical side of it at a distance, with you. like if it's at, at, on the other side of your hand if you're holding your hand out away from you.
0: Okay, don't like at arm's length. Over.
1: Yeah, yeah. Don't let it. Don't let it take over your feelings, your creativity, your inspiration. Only use it as a tool. And I'm very, very fortunate that I always got that before I really knew anything about music. Somehow I just knew. It's like but I really wanted to be able to play what I could hear at a higher level. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not trying to meet women. I'm not trying to get money. I'm not trying to uh, you know, be famous. I, I really felt like I wanted to be able to play the music that I could hear within myself. And so I always knew, and stuck to it. It's like, well, ear training and technique and composition and scales and all this kind of stuff, they're only tools to get me to that. You know, So always watch out for the trap of just... You know, being like a typewriter, you know, like you're learning how to to type, you know, or you're, and then being stuck there because there's a lot of musicians that have talent and and don't get me wrong, I'm not naysaying anybody, but I've I've met a lot of classical musicians that after a certain number of years of note reading, all they can do is read notes. They're not really composing or improvising anymore. Interesting. So watch out for that trap, you know, and so I've freed a bunch of them from that, by the way, you know, where... It's like you know we start hanging out and I start showing them how to improvise again. I'm like, oh my god, I feel free now. You know, and for years I've only been reading, reading notes, you know, and um, so watch out for the technical traps, but don't don't uh, don't allow yourself to be fooled that te- technical information or scales or music theory is bad because it's not. It's, it's something that can actually put you in a much higher level of enjoyment um, inside the music. So I'd say, I'd say learn scales, okay. learn the notes on your guitar, you know, learn um, how keys work, you know, f- find out about this stuff and, and delve into it. And just go into it with, well, hey, this is something I can take to a time in the future, and uh, it's going to help me to, to improvise and play with other musicians and enjoy myself. And um, you know, learn as much as you can about music theory is is the, the short answer.
0: All right. So to me it sounds kinda like uh you gotta know the rules to break the rules type thing. Yeah, that's not
1: a that's not a bad way to put it,
0: yeah. Yeah, and then I was gonna take it another step further and be like, Once you know the rules, make sure you break the rules. Um <laughs> or at least step outside <laughs> of them. Right, I'll
1: I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, because you know one of the the most amazing things is is um, something that uh might even be considered you know technically um, against someone's set of rules in music theory or composition uh sounds cool as this heck
0: oh yeah you definitely know? definitely man so all right yeah. great that that's some that's some good advice so get your fundamentals and don't let those fundamentals hold you back and so yeah what What are you currently doing to promote yourself?
1: You know uh, it it changes based on where I live and it morphs a lot. Um, but uh, taking that topic of uh, promotion uh, to a, to a higher level, um, it's a question it's very important. So I'm just kind of preface the question with what I've seen. I've seen some really great musicians um, you know throughout you know, my history. Um, they really had no idea at all how to promote themselves whatsoever, even. You know what I mean? Uh, even though they could play really, really better uh, than a lot of people around them, they, they didn't know how to promote themselves. Okay. So promotion promotion, really is a fine art. And um, for me, um, whether I'm doing business or I'm promoting myself or I'm promoting something or I'm promoting a person or an artist or whatever, one of the things that I found is that just keep it really super real and genuine. keep it really super real and um not contrived. you know what I mean,
0: okay. but also
1: use some, some some hyperbole, you know some enthusiasm, some excitement some some you know uh heightened enthusiastic comments, put some energy into it to keep it real, you know what I'm saying, and so a lot of people when they're trying to sell something or promote something. They become, you know, uh, quite honestly, lying salesmen. You know what I mean? So they're they're trying to contrive something, um, and you know that that's not that's not the most powerful way to promote. The most powerful way to promote is to say something that's truthful and put a little bit of hyperbolic energy into it, realizing that hyperbole is good. You know,
0: so yeah, um,
1: that's that's one of the biggest things. And then you know, in addition to that, is you know, once again, this is just my personal flavor of it. I, I believe in just keeping things super, super genuine, and not saying anything that isn't really accurate or appropriate just because it, it sounds catchy or might get someone's attention. You know what I mean? Um, so some people don't agree with that, and they just think that you know you, you say whatever to make, make the sale or or, or uh, do the promotion. But um, so let's say for example, um, you know, you're talking about Jimi Hendrix. And he said, oh, "Oh my God, he's completely revolutionary and visionary, and he's wild on stage." And I was "This is just all true, right?" Yeah. Um, but uh, if he if he didn't say some of those things, he said, "Oh yeah, he plays the guitar really well," and <laughs> well, that's that's there's no hyperbole, right? So It's like, "Oh yeah, he plays the guitar; really. that's true," but there's no, there's no hyperbolic energy there. So uh, going over the top just a bit, I think, is really important. Uh, do something that catches people's attention or enthuses them. Uh, when you promote. Now, the other thing is too, is there's really simple tricks that are very, very powerful and they get overlooked. So let's say, for example, you're doing Facebook, right? Okay. And you want people to to share your post. Well, when I first started learning Facebook, you know, around 2011, I realized that if I put some hyperbolic energy into anything I was promoting, whether it's an event or whatever, and I also said, please, please share this on your timeline. Please, please tell people. Please invite people, you know, or please comment, or let me know what you thought. And then I, I, I gave a definition of what that is. I call it the prompt.
0: They okay. you
1: prompt people to respond. And as simple as that sounds, you're you're way more likely to get someone to tell someone about your event, share your post, okay, or put it into a group, or maybe send someone an email, or say something in the phone conversation, whatever it is, because you asked them to. Directly ask people to use the prompt. Prompt people to to promote you and be mindful of it. And uh, the the other thing is is that, you know, there's obviously lots of different elements to to promoting so and so forth. But uh, I think that, once again, it does come down to intent. Like, if if I'm feeling not really terribly motivated and I don't want to be on Facebook or I I don't want to promote something, it's very hard for me to promote it. Yeah. So genuineness um, and enthusiasm come from, uh, a lot of times, how you really truly feel for me. You know what I'm saying? Not just like, oh, well, let me try and use some marketing skills. You know what I mean? So that's just my personal flavor and approach to it is, you know, it's like I have to really like something or be enthused about it or, or think it's legendary or it's, or it's, high, you know, it's, it's uh, a high form of art or it's super beautiful. And then I can promote it from a genuine place. And then some of your intent transmits, uh, even if you don't even know it, people pick up on it and um, uh, that's the most powerful promotion tool that I've ever found is is genuineness of your intent at a deep level
0: yeah definitely and you know what I think that kind of uh, in a way like holds a lot of like creatives back to like the whole a lot of them aren't built to go ask for that call to action it almost feels like cheap and salesy to them but to the exactly like, but most of the time you know even when you when you see it it doesn't seem cheap and salesy to you and it just seems cheap and salesy while you're doing it
1: right no, that's a great point great point
0: so and if you don't sell yourself who will right
1: yeah it, exactly and and that's the thing that uh, is really true um, you're so you're so um, you know perceptive to say that because I had to go over a bunch of struggles personally that I had around that myself because it was very important to me that I kept my music and my art, are pure. Um, so the first time that I, I had a CD uh, made, I I didn't even try to sell it. I didn't want it. My friends had to talk me into it. Oh. like literally, this is a long time ago. But but they had to talk me into it because I, you know, I had some copies, but I had no interest in trying to sell them at all. I would give them away sometimes, but um, it was like totally against my my grain at that point to suggest that I ask for money for them
0: yeah yeah and you know i brought that up too because in a way i kind of feel that same way about or at least have felt that same way about promoting the show in the past where i don't want to like just bombard people with all listen to my show listen to my show listen to my show and stuff like that right i I don't want it to come across salesy so you know i've been trying to do things where it seems more conversational or whatever and ask and and asking for the closing of the people to share and listen as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's, it's definitely a process, you know, so, um, for a very brief point in my life, um, when I first started uh, playing in front of people, uh, they were coming to to see me at this, at this place that I was. And, uh, I was very, very nervous and mindful for a very brief period of my life. It's like, because it's like you're exposing yourself and you're not, like, comfortable with it. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're bearing your soul, basically, when you play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it, w- the reason I'm saying that is that there's different kinds of processes we go through where it's like, hey, we're not trying to um, just get attention. We're not just, like, trying to do this, it. like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. So there's part of you that kind of can shrink away from that. But then there's a, an alchemy. There's a morphing of it where you can come to it and say, well, you know what, it's, it's, it's fine to promote it. You know, let me take a look within myself why I'm promoting myself and you know what I'm doing. And so um, you know, this is kind of a, a synthesis of the alchemy for me is I realized, you know, a while back, you know, quite quite a while ago, I realized it's like, wait a minute. I I really enjoy magical experiences. I, I ultimately kind of live for magical experiences. So this touches on a lot of, you know, points that, that you, you discussed with me before. And it's like I realize like the more people know about you, the more people are familiar with you already. The more people have looked you up online, the more people have. Uh been told by one of their friends about you, the more doorways are already open for you. You don't need to spend five years to get to know people a lot of times if they've already heard of you and they love your music. Yeah. And there's nothing cheap or salesy about it. It's just it opens up magical experiences for everyone. And that's a great reason for me to be excited about promoting something I'm doing, is I I do love the magic. And so I, 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 I tap into that realness because it's actual. and and go from there. And then when I'm feeling it, I can promote really well from that place.
0: Great, man. Great. Yeah. That, the whole thing, the whole, the whole finding the realness and promoting, that's great advice. And like, not being scared to put yourself out there. That is, you know, great advice on promotion, whether or not you're a musician, podcast host, comedian, or just anybody involved in that needs promotion. It's uh great advice. So with all this promotion and talking about the magic that you're a fan of, um, I'm gonna relate the magic to highlights. What is a highlight or two that you would care to share? Uh, with the uncontained audience?
1: Sure. Um, in 2010, I'd come back from uh, being out of music for years, and I had a, a waking around the end of 2008, 2000, start 2009, somewhere right around there. But by 2010, I was, I was playing all over Phoenix, Arizona, and um, someone took a uh, CD based on an intuition where I sent them a text. I said, If you promote me, blessings will come to you. A really strong intuition I had, and I, I didn't even know where they were. It was an ex girlfriend, and she took my CD to a radio station in New York, right? Yeah. And uh, so they played it, and then like two or three hours later, I'm getting a phone call from the studio, and people were calling in from all over the world about the music, you know, and I'm hearing some of the calls and everything. And uh, so a couple of days later, they said, um, well, you know, there's a meeting of the elders. I didn't know what any of this meant, but, but my ex-12 so there's a meeting of the elders and they want you to play at this gathering in, uh, White Lake, New York. And, uh, for, for some strange reason, I just knew I had to go to this, this, uh, event all the okay. way across the country from Arizona. And, uh, I, I just started busting my ass like two months to figure it all out, to raise the money, to get my gear across the country, how to get there, you know, the plane tickets, um, you know, $200 cab from Albany, New York. And then when it got closer, it started kind of like kicking in my. Mind. So I'm like, oh, I'm so drawn. Like I know I have to do this, and it's getting closer. And and then I started looking at some books and things. I said, Why are you like New York? Why is it so familiar? And uh, I started doing some research, and it's kind of hilarious now. But at, at the time, I really didn't know this. And I finally called them. I said, Hey, um, is this the Woodstock site where Woodstock happened? They're like, Oh yeah.
0: That that is awesome.
1: It was a Woodstock reunion, and uh, I didn't even know I was playing at a Woodstock reunion. And uh but I, I did and I went there and it's it's something that's legendary and uh I've been in contact f- for, you know, eight years now with, with uh people in Woodstock Nation because of that performance and, and they're very dear friends. So uh it was all example once again of, of magic, just like sensing where the magic was without the logic, just knowing that there's something there. Um so that was a big life changer for me. Um it was a, it was a huge thing. Uh, and then another one is, is uh, I'm part of uh, Ravi Shankar's organization, and i uh, in regular contact with uh, an ambassador from India. And she runs an organization called Surdarang Waves of Melody, which is started by Ravi Shankar and Ali Akbar Khan. And uh, so that was another big magical alignment. Um, and uh, also my friend Charles Gilchrist, who does Sacred Geometry Videos, and, uh, you know, we ended up interacting online and becoming best friends. And I've been part of their organization now for, you know, about seven years, uh, since about 2011. And, uh, it's been a worldwide, uh, collaboration. Um, and then one, one last one is, uh, Aeolia, a very famous New Age musician, designed my CD called Arcanum and did the transcendental art for it. And that was another amazing touchstone, too, you know. So those are just a few really, really interesting highlights amongst many
0: all right great man uh sounds like i i'm I'm sure you have quite a few more but that uh woodstock one that had to be really cool speaking going back to an earlier conversation we had about the energy in the place it had to have some sort of like energy permeating from that place with like people like jimmy hendrix uh janice joplin yeah. and all the people that had played there before i could go on a list and name woodstock artists but you know yeah what did it feel like
1: well you know um i could feel it from from uh, all the way across the country in arizona and uh, once i really realized what it was there were several weeks there um at the beginning where i'd, I'd feel the alignments and, and it was just uh it was just amazing. It was something of a higher order, you know? And uh, so when I when I finally got there, um, the owner of the, the farm, the Asker's Farm, was standing there, and uh, she saw me walking up the road, and she says she always remembers it. You know, she felt something, you know? So the whole thing was supercharged. And um, then when I get up on the stage, I just played this one note, and uh, numerous people said that when it happened, they felt like the sky opened up. Really, and uh, they all remember. Yeah, and they all remember that. And, and the whole festival long, you know, I was interacting with all them, and it was, like a whole field of like peace and love that changed me forever. They were uh, original Woodstock hippies from the '96 <laughs> Woodstock, and they had were holding this field in this forest property where Woodstock had happened. It was palpable. I mean, you could actually feel it just walking around, like genuine peace and love was was like being held in like this golden light field all over the forest where they were. Amazing.
0: Wow, man. Wow, that had to be quite the experience. So, I have a couple more questions for you before uh, we wrap this up here today, and I think this Woodstock performance kind of flows perfectly into it. Uh, What do you want your audience, people who come see you play or hear you play to take away and remember about your performance?
1: Well, you know, uh, that's a really great one, and uh I'll answer it loudly once again, which I do a lot, but people get accustomed to it to and they understand why I do it. the the first rule for me is I don't I don't want to try to get anyone to do anything. And and that's not contrary in a way, it's just really the truth. It's like I, I have this feeling it's like, well you know, I'm gonna do whatever I want to do and if you if you like it it's great. And if you don't I kinda don't care. It's like I can try it right off. I've got really thick skin when it comes to performing. Okay. And it's in the best way. It's, like it's not attached. So I'm really trying to get anyone to do anything. Um, and that's just a qualifier. Uh, the question is a really good one still. What I enjoy the most, though, is I love it when people are just lit up. I love to see that. There's like genuinely inspired or happy or elevated, you know, um, and... You know, they feel like going home and like, you know, studying Pythagoras or, you know, painting a, a painting or picking up a music instrument they haven't played for years or they just feel good for days, you know, this kind of a thing. I, I love it when people feel that way. I love to see that. So that's the answer to that question. Okay. Very
0: good. Very good answer. Um, all right. I have one more question for you, but before we hit the title question of the show, this is a chance i like to give people to... Um, Tell us about their corner of their internet and where people can find them. So, like, where, where can people get a hold of you, your Facebook, Instagram, or websites, or what have you?
1: Sure. And uh, a lot of people will give a link, uh, so on and so forth. But what I found works the best is if you, if you memorize my name and then the word musician right after Julian Forrest Musician is, is an easy way to get to my Facebook page. And then Julian Forrest Music dot com is another way. Just julian forest music dot com and uh... yeah there's all kinds of stuff out there so I'm pretty easy to find in that way you just get better search results if you put musician uh, as opposed to just my name
0: all right, perfect. And uh, you also have that show coming up on April 15th, the second annual Artist Showcase, along with a couple other uncontained uh, guests from uh, previous episodes, including I'm Eric Jones and also Daryl Mac. So uh, that's... I'll have the link to that show in the uh, show notes as well. So uh, it's only $5 noon to four o'clock, $5.00. A dollar and a quarter an hour if you want to break it down and get all salesy about it. But <laughs> <laughs>
1: right <laughs> uh, but, <That's>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so all right, I have one final question for you um, before we before we wrap this up. It is the title question of the show. Julian Forrest, how do you live uncontained?
1: For me, the most important thing for me, you know, personally, once again, not necessarily give advice to someone else. But there's a lot of people who could probably benefit from this idea that have asked me the question. And so I'll answer from that context. And what it is, is for me, taking risks, knowing that it may not always be fun. And that sometimes when the risks happen and something is not so easy or good or pleasant for a while, uh, the magic comes oftentimes because you took the risk. Okay. And so, coming to coming to grips with taking the risks and realizing that if you don't take the risk, a lot of times the magic is not going to come. And so, coming to grips with that part, and then furthering and saying, "Well, yeah," and sometimes when the, you know what hits, it really isn't fun. It, it, it's a real, actual experience that you have to go through, and um, I think that holds true of of all the great, really great artists, all the really great uh history changers is if you look at their life and like, oh my god, you know, Bach was getting kicked out of churches, you know. Um it, Jimi Hendrix was losing his songs in hotel rooms. He said later on I lost hundreds of my songs because so I pay, couldn't pay my hotel bill before he's famous. You know, all these kinds of things. And it's like they they all go through it and they take risks and it could be everything from uh moving someplace new like what I've just recently done. You know, and uh saying, Okay, well, you know, I know I need to go to LA uh, but that doesn't mean it's been easy, you know what I'm saying? But I knew that it might not be easy. And I'm saying, well, yeah, but I know that I, I feel in my spirit I need to go there, and it's going to be a risk, and I'm gonna, but I'm going to go. So that, that's how I kind of boil that down is is taking real risks and and actually doing that. So um, a lot of people have asked me this question from other ways, and they ask an me, awesome, well, how come, Julian, how come you're always on an interview or you're always um, on the cover of you know the newspaper? where you're getting a movie role or you're getting offered to play someplace all the time. And I, I just tell them it's like, well, I take risks, you know? And so okay. by taking the risk, put yourself in a position where you're more likely to be in demand in reality. Um, so that's, that's the, the, the answer.
0: All right. Perfect, man. Uh, that is a great way to, uh, sum that, uh, question up. So I have one final thing for you to do. And, uh, I have my guests sign off the show, but first I want to thank you for coming on and uh, sharing your experiences with us here. And uh, I you know learned a few things today about, uh, I don't know, music and shapes and uh, and you know it's uh, it's interesting to think that a sound can actually carry a shape with it. And
1: right, right. Uh,
0: you know, you you don't necessarily think about that. But Julian, will you do me the honor of signing off the show tonight?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, my uh, my parting words to people uh, that have listened to this podcast is that you know find find the thing and use the cliche: be true to yourself. You know, if if you can be true to yourself, you can make mistakes, you can go through hardships, so on and so forth. But I trying to find genuineness and, uh, you know, be real, I think, is one well, of the, the truest experiences you have. And when the magic is there, it's coming from a place of genuineness, that's when you can have the most elevated experiences. Whether it's just even a single note or a beautiful composition or performance. Uh, if you're keeping things in alignment and in harmony and, and, and real, then your body can become more and more attuned, your, your spirit and everything all together, your mind, your consciousness, your experiences. And uh, that's when all the circuitries can come together in a way that they can, not unless everything's actually in harmony in a real way. So that's just my personal advice. And uh, in signing off, my name is Julian Forrest, and I live Uncontained.
0: And that does it for another episode of Uncontained. Thank you again to Julian Forrest for joining me on the show. And also, don't forget, Uncontained is on patreon and it's simple to find it's patreon.com uncontained and all the support that uh, you can give is appreciated definitely not mandatory to listen to the show i don't want to take your lunch money or your kids lunch money or anything like that but if you do have a little change to spare and you want to send it this way great I appreciate it. So Uncontained on Patreon, patreon.com uncontained, easy to find. Thank you for listening, and until next time, live uncontained.